We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It was read beautifully just a moment ago. We sing about a charge that we've been given. I say we've been given. Here's, here's how I kind of view this passage that Paul is writing to Timothy, reminding him of what his charge is. And if that's the case and it's put into Scripture, then this is the, this is the charge the church has been given. I'm describing today what I want Valley View to be. What, that's unfair. What, what God wants Valley View to be when it comes to fulfilling the role that he's given us. It's called a charge. I don't use this word very much. December quite a bit. It comes along with the word MasterCard or Visa, right? That kind of charge. But the, the only one I ever remember, how many of you are Cardinal fans from long ago or listening on the radio? There was this famous organist for the Cardinals named Ernie Hayes. You may remember him. And the, the only time I ever said the word charge is he would play on the organ at the stadium, and everybody would say, charge, right? And it's the idea of go, in, go, go against that team, right? Cardinals, go and fight this team. It's a military term, which means this is the task that your higher power, your higher authority over you has charged or entrusted to you. A very sober responsibility that you need to fulfill. That's what a charge is. And in this passage, it describes what the charge is. And, and we need to listen to it. We need to remember this. This is who we are as God's people in the church on the hill. First of all, I want you to notice the motivation for our, our charge. It is not the elders asking us to live this way or do this. The elders have nothing to do with this charge. He says, this is from God and from his son, Jesus Christ. This is a charge from him. The one standing over you, giving you this task, and trusting you with this responsibility is none other than God the creator and Jesus his son, who will judge the living and the dead, including you and everyone else who ever lived. We will be judged according to this charge, according to this task, and by his appearing and his kingdom. This charge is part of how to be prepared for when Jesus comes back. This charge is how to be the kingdom of God on the earth. This is really important, and I want you to know it's nothing less than what God asks us to be. We don't negotiate it. We don't determine the terms. We don't sit and wonder if we'll do it or not. We're just held accountable to it. It is issued by God to every believer. When you take advantage of the benefits God wants to give you in the gospel, you become a proponent of taking this gospel to other people, you are then under the charge. You receive the benefits of the charge and then you're under the charge. That's the motivation. You'll do it because God asked us to. Our creator has assigned it to us. Secondly, you notice that this, there's a method to this charge. He says it's about preaching and it's about teaching. Now, not everybody's gonna be behind a podium like this, but every one of us is responsible for speaking the words of God, being consistent with the words of God, embodying it as you go about your lives this week. You are under, you are under the dominion of the word of God. We talked about that from chapter three. Where, Jesus, where, where Paul tells Timothy, this is how you become a, a fully equipped man or woman of God. You submit to the word of God and you have confidence in it and you trust it. And even when you'd prefer to do something else or when you'd like to do something else, you instead prefer the word. 
Well, we need to do that with everybody. Our charge, the manner of it, is always making sure the words we speak and the thoughts we express are consistent with what we find in the truth. This is true whether people ever accept it or not. It doesn't matter whether people agree with it or not. It doesn't matter whether they like it necessarily or not. Notice what he says. I want you to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. When the polls like it and when the polls don't like it. When people say, yeah, I see the wisdom of this, treating people with equality, yes. I don't see the, the, I don't see the wisdom of this over here, though. You still honor it. It's whether people like it or not, whether it works or not, whether, whether people find it easy or not. It's to have confidence in this word that God has given us. And that confidence shows up in whether we're willing to go with it. For instance, somebody asks you for relational advice about a marriage, a relationship within a family, and it's so easy to go with a party line of the world or Dr. Phil or something, and sometimes it's very much against the grain to go with the words of God. I believe people should stay married forever. I believe men should be spiritual lead of the family, which means they sacrifice more than anyone else. I want you to be a servant-hearted leader of your family. I believe that. And the rest of the world says, no, 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 this. I don't care what the rest of the world says. Our, our answers come from Scripture. That's where we come from. It would, it would be that way if somebody asked you to evaluate a movie that you saw. You went to this movie. Oh, yeah, what do you think of it? I expect a Christian to give an evaluation that's consistent with Scripture. It would be true if you're suffering from anxiety. Have you taken the antidote that Scripture provides? Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How about taking that pill, right? Not that you can't take others for different reasons. I'm saying, are we... Are we are we, giving, are we being faithful to what Scripture offers us? Are we automatically discounting it because it's old? It's being faithful and trusting that the words of God are true and right in every context. Do we trust them enough for those words to form in our mouth and come out of our mouth when people ask us a question or ask us to contribute? some insight to something in their lives. That's when you know this is the method. I want you to honor God's word. It's the secret to your own personal becoming like God, and it's the secret to saving a lost and dying world. And there's a manner to this charge, too. I love this combination of words. I want you to do it with all or complete patience. Patience. We have to be patient as we preach this truth. We know it, don't we? We know it that the truth can be very hard sometimes. It's very challenging. All of us would say there's still areas in our lives where we feel so challenged by it and we, we want to be patient with ourselves, but we want to be consistent and firm. We want to be patient with each other. But sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes we want to say it harsh. Sometimes we want to say it really strong. we got to be patient and he tells us why i want you to look at verse three this is why for the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine sound teaching but having itching ears they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions 
people that want to continue doing what they're passionate about, something that they really feel strongly about, they want to keep doing it, and they know the truth says not to, but they want to keep doing it. So they find a teacher, they find a preacher, they find a church that will accommodate this behavior rather than challenge. I want a truth that condones me, not challenges me. And so they go and they find that church, and those churches are available. Those preachers are available. I want us to be a church that doesn't compromise that stuff, that doesn't settle for watering it down and saying, hey, to to make it more palatable to you, we'll just not talk about it or we'll endorse it somehow or come up with a strange interpretation that allows your passions to remain as they are. We're not going to do that. That won't be for us, but we will be patient. We will be patient because we do understand that it is a struggle and it's hard to change your mind about things and it takes you some time and we're not going to be real, real harsh about that. It's what God wants his people to be. Think of this in terms of doctrine. The terms of doctrine. I can think of several like this, but this is the classic one I read about again this week. I hear this everywhere, and I still find myself like, I don't get this. We understand that the proper response of faith to the great grace that that God offered through Jesus on the cross is to respond with belief and baptism. And salvation comes to you and the Holy Spirit comes into your life. That order is very important. That, that order is clearly described, Acts 2.38, right, by Peter himself. But there's a lot of people that will come along and say, yes, that repentance is important, but that baptism can wait till later because it is a visible expression of an already completed internal reality change. So in other words, there's salvation before baptism, For some reason, when Peter said that, he didn't delineate it that way. He never described it that way. He didn't say, I want you to repent, and then then later on, show your repentance by your baptism. He didn't say it that way. He put it all together. And I think the church, to be the church, needs to keep it together. It needs to stay right there where it is and let that be the power, right? And for some reason, to accommodate, I don't know what we're accommodating because baptism is not hard. But for some reason, you put that in there and people just balk at it. It's like it's too harsh. So let's accommodate people by making it, I don't know, easy, I don't know, instant, I don't know what it, but for some reason they want to change it. And and then when you insist on it, what I've read, read this week was, but you can't do baptism before because it's a work and you're not saved by works. Baptism's never called a work. It's a passive term. It's something done to you. But the word work is used. I want to describe for you a conversation Jesus has with the people after he fed the 4,000 in John chapter 6. And then they come back wanting some more food. And Jesus answers them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you want your fill of food. You, You just want some more food. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. That the Son of Man will give you, give you eternal life. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they answered him. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work God wants, right? That you believe in him whom he sent. If you want to say there's a work involved in your conversion, it's the work of grappling, coming to terms with who Jesus is and who you're not. 
It's coming to terms with what you've always believed and realizing some of that is wrong and you've got to submit to the truth of God presented by Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. And when you have to grapple with that, y'all, that's mental work. That's the work of conversion. Once you've done that and you come to an understanding who Jesus is, the rest of the stuff is easy peasy, right? Including, I'm going to put him on in the waters of baptism by joining him in his death, burial, and resurrection. I got loud. Was that harsh? Volume cannot be the only definition of harsh. George, you tell her that. Sorry, I didn't mean to reveal who that was, right? It's not just on doctrine, though. It's also on ethics, right? We live in a world that the pressing issues are gender identity and sexual behavior, and there's plenty of people who've come along and altered all that stuff. Do you remember... Do you remember when it was clear sex before marriage was wrong, you don't live together? How many remember when it was clear? Even in the church, how many know, you know this, that even in the church now, it's become unclear for some? The word didn't change. The message didn't change, but what happened? And then there's people and got friends that are this, and it's tormenting me to to grapple with this, but you start having attraction toward the same sex, and they're going to say, you know, we're, we, we, think, we think that Scripture actually will allow for that because what Paul was talking about is not really what we see today, and it's okay. And they actually endorse the passions of people that are clearly wrong, and they say it's right, and even churches called affirming churches that allow for that. And I'm baffled by that because the Word is very clear on this. I don't like preaching that, and I'm not going to preach it every week, and that's not the only issue there is. Okay, that's not the most important thing there is. And I want to say, but if you're coming, if you want a church that will accommodate that rather than challenge that, this is not your place. This is not where you would want to be. But can I, but I, but, but don't leave yet. Listen, if you struggle with that for years, we'll be patient for years. Won't change the message. We won't alter it at all because that's what scripture says. We have no permission to do that, nor do I think it's wise. It's not the loving thing to let you continue in a lifestyle like that 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 is harmful to you and never tell you. We will do that, but we will do it patiently while you grapple with it. That's the kind of church that I want to be. That's who Valley View wants to be because that's what Paul tells Timothy. Keep the standards of God high. What we preach is a high standard. I won't I won't apologize or lower that to make you feel more comfortable. We will talk grace and understand that grace is available. And we will be patient, but we will not change the truth. And that's not the only thing God cares about. If you want a preacher or a church that tells you that all God cares about is saving your soul, and however you live after that is is completely up to you, you've got everything covered. You won't hear that here. But it's not because you don't have assurance and confidence. 
So many times over the years, it's like this. Either you're once saved, always saved, or you are minute by minute hung over the fires of hell. It's not the only two options there are. There is a confidence you can have and a boldness that you can have about living in the truth. You can have a confidence. You can have assurance. But that assurance inside of you will produce a holiness on the outside. You will not be indifferent toward good works and holiness. You will want to from within, driven by the Holy Spirit and the truth that's ingrained in your heart. Which is why we come together. We lift God up in worship, which is what we're doing, but we also have a responsibility to each other. The description is we spur one another on toward love and good works. Why? First of all, do you know what spur is? Any cowboy fans here? I don't mean cowboy, Dallas cowboy, cowboy TV shows, cowboy boots. On the back of cowboy boots is this round thing, and you use that thing and kind of turn it on that horse, and it, you think that horse feels it? What do you suppose it feels like? Anybody want to guess? I mean, you're not a horse, but can you be like Mr. Ed? What do you think it would, ouch, something like that, it would hurt. So he says to us, when you get together in the church, you need to do that to one another. Now hold it, are you going to come to church if every time you get a spur in your rear end? Would you, are you going to come to church? But that's what we do, why? Why do we need to be spurred on? Because there's going to be this natural tendency sometimes to take it for granted. And you kind of slow down and you lose perspective of what you're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing loving each other, which is an active thing, which means every week i got to consider how to love and how to do the things that are right for this church and, and, and good works. i got to keep doing them. And sometimes I just get entropy sets in and I just kind of, I don't know, and I need somebody to spur. Ow, okay, all right, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And that's who we are. So what happens if you're a church that actually does that? That just preaches the truth, knowing that everybody in here is going to be convicted by it, and everybody in here is going to be challenged. You're going to leave every week going, you know, that really, man, there's some work I've got to do. I've got to keep doing it. And you're going to be spurred on by one another. You're going to leave here with sore toes and a rear end with a little spur in it. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? But that's, that's what we do. So if you don't like that, what do you do? You might never come again. And we're patient enough to let you walk away. We're going to come after you in some form, but, but we're not. Jesus, when he said to the rich man, you know, he just walks away. And Jesus doesn't run after him, just said, this is a hard truth. And this is a, a hard truth. But there are also other people that would like us to be harsher. And you know as well as I do, there are some churches that think it should be harsher. We're going to add things to what God even said, and we want to be harsher than that. And, and, and if, you'll, if you'll be harsher, I'll come. I'm not, we're not going to change the truth to become either less harsh or more harsh. It's just got to be the truth. And if, if, if that's required to keep you, then there's other places you can go that are like that. But what we do is say to you, we're all on this road. Every one of us, even those who've been elders for a long time, are still on this road. And there's some progress to be made. And they need to keep pushing. And we need to keep spurred on, right? We do that for each other. And that's what we do when we get together. If you don't like that and you walk away from it, it's to your detriment. 
It's going to hurt you spiritually because you need all of that. But we'll be patient. We're not going to judge you. We're going to be harsh. And when you come together and we all together, and you know what we're doing here all together? We're repenting together. Every one of us is repenting this morning. We're all repenting that we've fallen short. We want to go out and try it again. And that means, that means, y'all, that every one of us will acknowledge that last week there were areas where we failed. But it didn't disqualify us from being here. It doesn't mean you're not accepted here. It doesn't mean you don't belong here. Listen, if you were perfect last week, you need to leave. Because you don't belong here. You need to go somewhere else in a church of your own. But if you've failed in some way and you know it, this is the place to be because the rest of us know it too. And we're going to spur you on the best we can. There's this, as he wraps this thing up, he says there's a mindset about this charge too. And he says two or three things about that. There's this mindset of, he calls it, notice verse 20, or verse 4, 5, as for you, always be sober-minded. Always make sure you're able to think spiritually and clearly at any moment. Don't let anything off-balance your mind. Like when your wash machine gets out of balance and has to stop. Don't, don't do that. And sober-minded, we all think, well, that means you don't, you don't get drunk and don't drink. Well, that's one thing that can, you're under the influence of something that keeps you from thinking clearly. Yeah, alcohol can do that. Marijuana can do that when you're driving, but there are other things that spiritually can make your mind so out of balance you can't think clearly at a given moment. One of those, one of those would be greed. When all you can think about is like, okay, I, I want to buy this or I want to get this number in my account and I'm going to do everything. Because here's the deal, if greed gets out of balance, you lose your ability to be generous and willing to share. And then you'll, like me, and Paul Wallace is the same way, when he's looking for a vehicle, you know, when they have to find a vehicle to replace one, you start going, and it's like, I, I don't know 50 miles an hour, it's zero, or it's 100 miles an hour, and I'm looking for it, and I'm looking for the right deal, and it's always a little higher than you really started out with, and you're still thinking about all this stuff, and what can I cut out? And you're so busy thinking that, that you're not being generous toward other people and the causes of God. That's an out of balance. That's an under the influence of greed. And then uh, materialism, right? There's other things. Things like lust is this way. All you can think about, right, is this. Or worldliness or, or being accepted. I'm so concerned about being accepted by everybody who's around me that that's all I'm thinking about, and I'm not thinking about the things of God anymore or self-conceit or anger. You ever been so angry at people? Maybe one person in particular that you can't think straight anymore. That's called you're no longer sober-minded. You're so imbalanced by a strong emotion. You can't think straight. I'm a teetotaler person. Don't want to drink anything at all. I don't care anything about that. And here's one reason why. My kids call me at midnight with a major emergency. I want to be able to think clearly. Yeah, I got to wake up. But I don't want anything to keep me from thinking clearly at that moment. Nothing. I want to be able to answer that. And we as a church, when our job, when our job is to teach and preach the truth and embody it, we need to be ready at any moment to be faithful to the words of Scripture and nothing, nothing be an excuse for not thinking clearly. Second thing he says is you've got to endure, right? You've got to be willing to suffer. 
Are we a church that may suffer one day for our positions on sexual purity? You better believe it's going to happen one day. It's going to be called hate speech to say any of the truth from Scripture. And we're going to have to be willing to suffer to do that. Are we, are we ridiculed because we're not patriotic enough? Listen, I'm, I don't care anything about politics. I, I find it interesting once in a while for about five minutes watching a TV thing, but it just gets so out of kilter for me. And I really don't think politics belongs anywhere in here. You could be Republican or Democrat. I'm more concerned, are you a child of God or not? That's what I'm, I'm concerned. That's what we are thinking about right here. And I don't want to be off kilter about that. And if that tilts you off because I haven't said enough about this issue or that issue, eh, sorry, right? I, that's not where we belong. And then, and then I'm thinking about, uh, you know, are we narrow-minded because we say Jesus is the only way, which means Muhammad is not? which means Buddhist people, as good a people as they are, they need Jesus. That's harsh. I can say that in Jonesboro pretty much and not get much opposition, but are days coming when we would cause some harm by that? I, maybe so. Would we, be suffer, would we have to suffer for saying so? It, it might happen, and, and the truth is that if you won't endure for the truth, you don't really believe the truth. If, if you won't suffer for it, you don't really believe it. So we got to be willing to put our, not only our money where our mouth is, but our blood. And finally, he says, do the work of ministry. Fulfill the task of ministry. There are actions we need to be doing as a church to embody the truth and to teach the truth, and that's our number one task. And if there are secondary things the church does too, and we all know that. But don't ever let the secondary stuff overtake the primary stuff. You've got Jason Wills here. Jason, are you here? Are you out in the? He may be out in the foyer out there, you know, stopping any weird people from coming in or whatever. But Jason, Jason has a dad who's been in the fire department forever in Kennett. And uh, he loves clean stuff. He's a, he's a GQ, older GQ man with a, with a motorcycle, right? He is, the, and he got this really sharp, he's a sharp-dressed guy. Uh, but he liked, uh, he liked clean fire trucks. And so every day they'd pull the fire truck out and they'd clean it. Even if they didn't use it the next day, they'd back it up. They'd come back out and they'd clean it again. I'd pass every day and they're cleaning it every day and it hasn't gone anywhere. What is the point of that? They just like a clean truck. And they eat chili and they go down the pole. I guess they practice this on. But imagine this, that there's a tr the, the, the call comes in and they're like, you know, if we answer this call, our truck will get dirty. And, and we will miss out on the chili that's being cooked right now. Let's just, let's just, let's just ignore it and be the church, be, 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 the, be this, right? I'm, I'm thinking of a couple people who are EMTs here. And, and I've talked to lately, and what they do is they, they, have to, they have to go, right? They have to get in the ambulance. They have to go to the emergency. They've got to stabilize the person and get them to permanent help, right? Some real help, so, some of that, the help stuff. And so they do all that. Imagine that they're in this on the way to an emergency, and they go, oh, hey, look, there's Shadrachs. Let's go through Shadrachs and get us a coffee. What coffee you want? I don't know. And it's, the sirens are going and all this stuff, and they are parked at a Shadrach. You ever seen that happen? No, you don't see it happen. Their job is to get to the scene of the emergency now. That's the number one charge. I love our fellowship, and we need to keep it because it is based in truth. We are conveying things in truth. But if all we do is get together and eat, and we never say anything about truth to anybody. 
We have failed our charge. Completely forfeited our right to be called a church. It all needs to go in there. Not criticizing any of that. But there is a primary thing the church does. That's our work, and we must not make it secondary. That's what the apostles said in Acts chapter 6. You're about to read a little bit from Acts chapter 6 or hear a little bit about they needed deacons because they wanted deacons to do that so that the apostles did not have to give up prayer and the ministry of the word. It's the primary thing of this church. I love being the Valley View Church of Christ, the church on the hill, a plant of Nettleton Church years ago because, because they thought that the other side of the city needed a church that preached the truth. And it didn't take long for that decision to be affirmed by the number of people who were drawn to that. And there are many other things that have been done over the years to accentuate that, accessorize that, to get the attention so that we could then teach the truth. And all of it good, all of it's necessary, it's all part of our, our mission. But a lost and dying world, more than anything else, needs to hear the words of God. That's where the power is, that's where the truth is, that's where change happens, and that's how we become ch children, men and women of God. May we be about that task, whatever else we do along the way. A charge to keep we have. So this week, you've got your orders, you've got your charge. Wherever you go, whatever you do, the words you say and the attitude you exhibit and the actions that you demonstrate, let them be of the word. And let them convict, reprove, correct, and train. If there's anyone who needs to respond this morning, the invitation is open, the word has been delivered, you've heard it. You know it's true. It's straight from God, and he is backing it with his spirit. And this morning, if you are subject, if it's moving you in some direction to make a change, do it now as we stand, as we sing together.